Hello, my name is David Cervoni, and who the fuck are you? Thank you. Have a great night. Wow, I'm so serious. I love Settle in as we begin to tell you about some friends Folks you know in Chicago and some you've never met We'll talk about the things they say and do There's a question posed to old and new Who the fuck are you? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Kevin Alvis, and welcome back to another episode of Who the Fuck Are You? Hey, it's Chicago. Mask mandate's back. You know why? People are getting vaccinated. If you haven't gotten vaccinated by now, please go do so. It's not just for you. It's for everyone. So please stop being a fucking moron and help us help you help us. Yay! My guest today is a professional juggler that brings his own unique style of performance to the world of circus. And on top of that, he's super sexy too. Please welcome to the show, Mr. David Shervoni. Fantastic. How are you yeah, doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing really well. Uh, it is, it's genuinely great to see you because uh, it, I know we were about to start working on a project together right when the shutdown came. So I haven't seen you in a while and I know if I follow you on, uh, on uh, social media. So I've seen that you've been able to do some things, but I haven't got to see you see you. So how has your pandemic been? Did you have anything that kind of got you through the whole thing? Any new hobbies or anything like that? Oh man, uh, no new hobbies, uh, just a resurgence of the same hobbies. Oh. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it went in waves because it was, well, it still is happening. Right. Mm -hmm. So we got, we got months and months and months to, uh, I don't know, examine what we can do at home. Um, so it was a lot of juggling because I love juggling. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and then I forgot that I loved juggling and I remembered that I loved video games. Um, and ah. I still, I'm still reeling from that. Yeah, um, I kind of slid into that as well. I hadn't played games a lot. Uh, and then uh, I have some friends that we used to play uh, uh, Halo once a week. And oh, that, because of the pandemic, uh, picked back up online. So it really, I was really, I'm like you, I've got more into video games. And my wife and I found, uh, I don't know if you ever played this game called Sea of Thieves, Ooh, which is no. an open world pirate game where you can go on these adventures and look for gold and do all this shit. But if there's other pirates in the area, those are actual people, like real people oh, also playing the game. So you're just hanging out and all of a sudden you're being attacked by this other ship and they can come steal your all your loot and sink your ship and all this shit. And it's just crazy. A perfect premise. Like that sounds like a great premise for a game because in most open world games, you are a pirate, whether, whether you're told you're a pirate or not. Right. 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 That's amazing. And it's, Ooh, uh, cool. it's, it's a little addictive, it, although it does become a pain in the ass when you're kind of like, I just want to play a little bit and go sailing around. And you do that. And all of a sudden some assholes come out of nowhere and start fucking you up. I'm like, I just wanted to hang out tonight, guys. Come right. on. Right. <laughs> but, you know, that's the, that's the life of a pirate. Uh, David, I, uh, what, uh, so, God damn, I don't even know where to start with you because you have such an interesting performance niche that I never thought I would run into because... For me, growing up, uh, I always heard about, you know, back in the day, kids running off and being with the circus. Oh, sure. And you're like, that's not a real thing. People don't run off to be the circus. But you have kind of run off to be in the circus where your performance focus is all circus-based stuff, mainly juggling. Um, yeah. 
First off, are you from Chicago or did you come here for education? So I grew up in Skokie, actually. Okay. okay. So I was uh, born in Evanston. We moved to Skokie when I was seven years old and I was there through high school. And then I went to high school at Indiana University. I studied biology, believe it or not. Uh, oh, what took you to in... biology? Like, what was the focus for that? Because I mean, that's, uh, that's such a that's a real that's a, uh, a big swing on the spectrum of like, you know, from artist to biology. Totally. Um, and I'm not the only one. I actually even even in circus, there's several people who studied science um, and mm-hmm. sometimes get back into it. Um, My wife was a marine biologist, marine biology there major. We go. And then she yeah. switched back into theater full time. I mean, I think I think something about science, right, is is we're trying to make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's valuable no matter if you're studying it or not. Um, so I I was convinced that there was no way that I could make money doing what I did. Um, so when I went to college, I was like, I should major in something that makes money. Right. I majored in animal behavior. And <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about animal behavior, but there's no money in that either. No, no, no. Great Instagram accounts, but not a lot of money. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, um, I am also, while I was in... Uh, well, well, I was in college. I should have realized this as I was doing it, but I was doing more theater extracurricularly than I ever was studying. Like okay. I was always performing and I always loved doing that. And I should have taken that as a cue, but it took me until uh, working with lions and tigers um, and wolves and really, really trying to become a zookeeper and, and do, running that whole gamut uh, mm-hmm working so many unpaid hours uh, before I realized, oh, this is not what I want to be doing. Right. And not only that, I'm not getting a job doing it. So even if it was something that I enjoyed and I did enjoy it sometimes, uh, I couldn't get work doing it. Yeah, and so, you gotta, um, still got to pay the bills. Exactly. And I started getting paid by teaching and performing circus in New Orleans. Oh, wow. Um I actually, and I grew so, up. Uh, I grew up not too far from New Orleans. I grew up uh, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, just two hours east. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. What 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 was that small town? Ocean Springs is where I grew Ocean up. Ocean Springs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, New Orleans is a great place to to, to teach uh, anything like that because it's such a fucking artistic, beautiful, crazy city. And also, it's so. Um, to me, it felt like in New Orleans, you could perform or do anything and there was going to be an audience for you. Always. Uh, always. Regardless of how small it was, mm-hmm. someone was going to be into the thing that you were doing. Absolutely. Whether they're just genuinely into it because you're amazing at it or they're so fucking drunk, they don't give a shit. They're like, oh, look, somebody's doing something. I got to watch. And it's great. But you've always got people the there. Performer. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> oh, the, how long were you in New Orleans teaching? Uh, about three and a half years. Oh, and okay. during that time... Um, uh, I'm going to shout out Fly Circus Space, which is a small circus company out there. And they did something every month called the Fly Movement Salon at Cafe Istanbul in right. New Orleans Healing Center, uh, if you were ever there. Um, and it was this open stage every month specifically for circus. And in New Orleans, I discovered how much I love juggling. Now, I learned how to juggle when I was 11 years old at the Skokie Park District Circus Camp. Um, what was it about the juggling that you were like, I got to fucking learn this and go to a camp? Uh, yeah, it was, it was actually more of like, oh, I need to learn how to juggle because that's something that you're supposed to know how to do. I thought juggling was boring. But uh, yeah, I started performing then uh, and I was getting paid to do that. Um, 
and then uh, in college, I, I kind of stopped, but I, I did a bit of magic. And then in New Orleans, I realized, oh, juggling, throwing things in the air and catching them can be really cool. And not mm -hmm. only that, I saw some incredibly inspiring juggling artists, like people who truly view juggling as an art form, which as a child, I never thought existed. I, I didn't right. know that juggling could be an art form. I didn't know that circus was a valid art form. I just thought of it as something fun to do. Um, and so New Orleans really helped open my eyes to the possibility of not only learning, like doing cool tricks, but actually learning how to create something of substance and something that means something to me. And I see that in your work because uh, we we were having drinks last night and I said something to you and I told you that I felt that the work that I've seen you do was like the independent film of juggling. And you were like, don't tell me what that is until we're on the show. Because I and, have no idea what that means. So but you just tell me you what just means. said what it means. It's it's a much because as, as an average person, when you hear juggling, you think clowns, you think big circus, you think all the color, you think all the things. Uh, and some, you also, in my mind, I see some like, you know, uh, some, some like comedians who also do juggling and, and their act and things like that. But what I've seen you do is, it comes more from a story-based land, it seems like. Mm -hmm. um, you have a, a, a much more unique perspective on juggling and how it works. And I mean, I know you had a whole series where you mainly had a mannequin leg that you juggled with or around, which was yes. just a really cool visual and, and a wonderful way to tell the story that you were telling through your scenes and stuff. And that's, so that's where I was coming from, where it was more of a artistic form of juggling rather than the more gotcha. of the show circusy, you know, Ringling Brothers style kind of stuff, you know? Absolutely. Um, and it's just really interesting and fun to watch. The thing for me about juggling is, is, as an audience member, I'm sure you could probably feel this uh, as the energy as a performer, is the always fear of the drop, always fear of the drop. And for the audience member, we don't want to see it happen. We don't want to see that happen because it's this is amazing what's happening. Um, but I know you travel under the name David Drops, yeah, <laughs> which is usually what jugglers don't want to do. Well, so for you, what was, why did you grasp it? Cause I was curious about that when we first met, David drops. I'm like, why, he, why would a juggler call himself drops? What? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, so let's take a step back. Oh, okay. uh, when, so I, I came from uh, before performing juggling in an artistic manner, mm -hmm. I was studying jazz. I really wanted to be a jazz bassist. Uh, I, okay. I, Still to this day, I'm not great at the instrument. Uh, well, I, I'm okay. I, I love playing music, but it's not, uh, it's not something that, it, it's something that takes a lot of work. And generally when I need to work on something, I'm working on juggling. Okay. Um, but in jazz, uh, in an interview with Wayne Shorter, uh, one of the most uh, eclectic, incredible, innovative uh, jazz musicians out there, he was asked, what does jazz mean to him? And he said, to me, jazz means I dare you. Oh, wow. And to me, I view circus and juggling in a very, very similar way. Mm -hmm. Because the audience, there's this visceral connection. As soon as you see someone do something that either they shouldn't be able to do or something that is simply that, that there is a risk involved, right? Mm -hmm. Juggling is risk. Oh, uh, yeah. So regardless of what I'm doing, it's that... It's, it's the fact that that could happen at any time. And 
sometimes I love embracing that because one okay. of the best ways to learn anything is to fail. Uh, and, and arguably one of the only ways to learn something and to get better at something is to fail. True. Um, is, yeah. Got to so fuck it one, up first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, like people are watching someone juggle or do handstands or anything. It's like, ask them how many times they had to fail at that before they right. actually succeeded at the simplest, <laughs> most basic form of that thing. And then give them 10 years and then maybe they're doing it all right. Like right. it's, did I do it? Did I do it? Am I doing it right? No, you're yeah. still not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to this day, every time I'm on stage, I'm like, I could be doing this better. Um, so, um, and there's this one format that, uh, that I absolutely love as a performer that I have been researching a lot and it's still developing, but basically the idea behind it is, uh, what happens when I drop? Mm -hmm. Um, and one game that I've played with myself in front of a live audience is every time I dropped, I had to tell the audience something embarrassing about myself. Oh, wow. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Uh, That's very engaging for the audience because now they have something invested. So if it does happen, probably some people probably want you to drop it at that point. They want to me to. Absolutely. Because yeah. uh, they probably think it's part of the show and they're like, oh, he's going to drop it anyway. So he can do his, his performance. Absolutely. Start, you know? And in one, uh, so I did a three-part series where I performed uh, telling um, these Louisiana folk tales. And every time I dropped, I connected it to something in my life that I found embarrassing or weird or strange. Mm -hmm. um, and one segment, I didn't drop it all. And everyone's biggest complaint after that show was, David, why didn't you tell us anything during that part? And I said, I didn't Did drop. drop. It's the rules. <laughs> that's the rules. That's the rules. Um, so that's been a really fun thing that I'm exploring. Um, long story short, David Drops is is my attempt at embracing failure. And it, and uh, that's what clowns do too. And I'm not presenting as a clown. I'm trying mm -hmm. to present as a human. Mm -hmm. And humans fuck up all the time. That they do. And I and I I, I love the name so much. Like it, it Thank you. it's very it's 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 one of those attention grabbing things. You're like a juggler whose name is David Drops, and I want immediately want to know more and know about your show. Um, it's yeah, I love watching your stuff. I, I want to go back for a second. You said something about it, uh, the risk of juggling. Yeah, and it made me think because I've seen so many jugglers, and and again, like mainly in like a circus or a comedic way, yeah, and not sure. like more in the artistic way that I've seen you do. But for you, what's the most dangerous thing you've ever thrown? Like, <laughs> you ever are, are you the type to like grab a few chainsaws every once in a while, or are you the type to? Are you, are you mainly stick with like clubs, balls and that type of thing? So the way that I tell people things is I've never juggled chainsaws. If you want me to juggle chainsaws, you have to buy them for me first. Um, <laughs> a, a good juggling chainsaw, and believe it or not, you can find juggling chainsaws at threefingerjuggling.com. Uh, those chainsaws What a are, wonderful name. Yeah. Place oh, you can get chainsaws to juggle. Great. They sell knives, hatchets, all, all made for juggling. Oh, wow. And... If you want to get three chainsaws, three juggling, ju chainsaws that are balanced specifically for juggling, that'll run you $1,500. All right. All right. So everyone listen up. We're starting a Kickstarter right now. <laughs> We're going to get Great. David some juggling chainsaws. Listen, if you, if anyone wants me to, I will do it, um, but I'm just not going to pay for it. Um, <laughs> no, but I juggle knives and fire. Uh, usually it's not something that I look to do if i'm hired to do it absolutely to me 
the risk is inherent in the performance. It doesn't mm -hmm. need any additional, it, it, to me, it almost feels like I'm pushing the bit. Like, yeah, if I drop this, of course it's gonna suck. Right. But if I juggle this other thing, I think it's still gonna suck. And I really hope that you believe that it matters. Um, and, and I think my job as a performer is to convince you that it matters, whether, whether it's fire or if it's just a ball. And I love the idea more so uh, of the, uh, if I drop or something screws up, you'll learn more about me or, and this will, and it adds to the show rather than just like, here's some chainsaws I'm going to throw up in the air, which are fun to watch. But I also know the workings of a chainsaw for the most part that if you're not pulling that trigger, it's probably not spinning around. So you won't get too hurt. I mean, it will feel good, but it's won't not like, <laughs> it's not like those chains are spinning the whole time in the air and that kind of thing. So, sure. um, I, I, and that's, man, you have, I never thought I'd say classy juggling before, but it's such a good, <laughs> like the performance side of what I've seen you do is just so cool. And that's the thing too, is like, I was able to come, I, I came to uh, your, it was the graduation show uh, that you were in. Um, at the, uh, uh, Actors Gymnasium. Actors Gymnasium. And you are so much more than just a juggler too. Like you were doing uh, balance work and all sorts of things. So like, are you mainly focused just on the juggling or are you really just really work to be an all around performer for uh, circus style? Yeah. So to tell you the truth, uh, in today's day and age, it's really hard to be uh, to work in circuses or in things adjacent to circus without having a multitude of skills, unless mm. you're the absolute best at one thing. If you literally if you are better than anyone else who's applying for that job, then you can probably get it by just doing that one thing. But right. I'm not the best juggler in the world. I know that I'm never going to be. And also that's mm -hmm. not my focus. That's not what I want to be doing. So to me, in order to be competitive in today's market, I had to learn some additional skills and I'm still working on those things. Mm -hmm. uh, it never ends, uh, which I love. You know, I, I get to wake up every day and think about something new that I need to learn. Um, and and I try to learn something new every day. And that's that's a really cool thing to do every day. I really like it. <laughs> I, it, that, it especially when it is something that you want to learn. You truly, you, you love to learn. You know, a lot of yeah. people in their regular jobs have to learn more things to keep their regular jobs going, but also their regular jobs kind of fucking suck, you know? And yeah. I always applaud people who are able to make a life and make a living in the career choice that they want and love to do rather than something they have to do in order to survive. Because It's not easy. And especially in the U.S., it takes a lot of work. And honestly, I'm only halfway there. You know, like mm -hmm. I have I have months that works that work really well. And I have other months where I have to do all sorts of odd jobs to, you know, make rent. So. And it's a, it's one, a thing, one thing I know that you did that was pretty fucking great over the pandemic uh, is that you did some performances uh, uh, for a, a senior home, I believe, out, but you were able to do it outside so everyone could see you just to bring some happy in a time when people couldn't be with their families and things. Um, yeah. is, is that something that you regularly do or was that a thing that was spurned by the, by the pandemic of just like, I, I want to be there and do what I can? Oh, that, uh, that performance is really close to my heart. Um, so originally I was called by the actors gymnasium. Actually, they, they do, uh, they, they sometimes book me for special events and things like that. And they 
asked if I could do a performance in a front lawn for this guy's birthday. For, oh, for this, this, this father was trying to hire someone to do a performance for his kid's birthday in their front lawn. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. I ended oh, yeah. up not doing that job, but I loved the idea. And I was like, how do you keep an audience engaged without being able to speak to them, without them being to hear you for the most part? Um, and probably without music, right? Like, how do you do all of these things and still make it live? Mm -hmm. And so that was the premise. I was like, well, you know, I love creating under limitations. These are literally all the limitations that I hate. So let's, let's do it. <laughs> um, and so I ended up not doing that performance. But what I did do instead is I came up with this premise of, uh, of this man who wants to have a picnic and he wants to have a picnic with other people, mm -hmm. but those people can't join him for whatever reason. So he's performing for them outside of their residence. Now, at the same time, uh, my grandparents were in a nursing home and yeah. this was an opportunity during the pandemic. I knew my grandparents were, you know, they were, they were on their last legs. And I was thinking, I don't know if I'll ever be able to perform for them again. And I definitely won't be able to be in the same room with them. How can I connect with them specifically? Mm -hmm. So um, I contacted the uh, retirement home and I asked, hey, can you put my grandparents in a room where they can see outside? Let me know where that is outside and, um, and I'm going to do a show for them. And, uh, and that's what I did. Uh, and to, to, tell, to tell you the truth, Show wasn't very good. Uh, I, a lot of things, I, I messed up a lot. Uh, it was really windy. Uh, performing outside is all, always hard as mm -hmm. a juggler. Um, but looking back on it, it's not, it's not the tricks. You know, no, it's not, it's... It has nothing to do with what, what tricks or, or the premise of the show. Um, I, got to, I got to connect with my grandparents in a way that... Um, I'll, I'll never be able to again, but That's, also it's, uh, it's something that, yeah. So it was, it's a really special performance and, uh, I'm glad that you brought it up. I, uh, it's easy for me to, uh, think about the next thing and think mm -hmm. about, you know, what, what am I working on right now? Um, sometimes it's nice to remember those things that, uh, Really it's, it's a really nice moment. And that's in, in that's those kind of moments were needed last year, especially. Um, so that, that's, uh, that, ah, such a wonderful moment. I'm glad that worked. I'm glad you were able to do that. Um, when it, when it comes down to your shows, when you are putting something like this together, I'm curious on how you, how do you approach it? Do you approach it as a situation where you're like, Ooh, I've, I've got an idea on how to like, do these tricks and then I just put those together or, or is it a situation where sometimes you're influenced by music that gives you an idea or a feeling uh, for a, a series of uh, throws, I guess. I don't know what the fuck. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you call juggling shit. Uh, but I mean, how, how, how do you actually start composing your pieces and things like that? God. Oh, that's, that's a really tough question. Um, and uh, just tell well, great shows over. That's uh, all right. That's all we need. Yeah, to great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, to, to tell you the truth, I'm still refining it. And I think, mm -hmm. I think part of the joy of it is that every time I write something, it feels like it's coming from a different place. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you an example though, because this is fresh on my mind. I actually spent five hours today editing, 
uh, this video of a show that uh, is, well, by the time that this podcast is released, it will have just finished its tour. Mm. Um, but it's a show with a uh, company that I created this uh, this year called Low Ceiling Circus uh, in our show. Which was called. next on my list to talk about. So this is perfect. Well, there we go. I There's love, your segue. I love this show and I, I didn't get to see it, but I love what you're doing with it. I want to talk more about that. So go ahead, continue. So so it's called, so uh, the company is called Low Ceiling Circus and our show is named Life of the Party. And I had this idea, I was brainstorming with a friend uh let's say, I think it was October of last year. Mm -hmm. And he and I were spitballing ideas because we were like, well, what? Okay. So, so we're going to not be able to perform in, in a, in a normal way for the foreseeable future, <laughs> maybe years, maybe, you know, millennia. Forever. We don't know. Uh, how, how will theater, how will things that we care about survive? And I, have done some street performing in my life. Street performance is something that I always really enjoy, but it's also something that I absolutely hate. Uh, mm. And the reason why I say that I enjoy it and hate it is because there's so much uh, focus on gathering the crowd and getting them to pay you. And to me, I really wanted just to activate spaces. Right. So in October of last year, I had this idea. I was like, okay, so how do you gather an audience without having to tell them, hey, look at me. And <laughs> I had the idea of having a gigantic pole. I was like, okay, if I have a tall pole that has a sign that says show on it or something that, that is interesting right. at the top of it, in the middle of a park, people will see it and they'll think, I, I wanna go see that. What's going on over there? What's going on over there, exactly. So, uh, that was the premise and that was the that was the the kernel of the idea and generally when when i'm writing something mm -hmm. i like to have some sort of premise whether it's whether it's a specific trick that everything is adding up to whether it's uh it's a feeling or an idea that i'm like yeah i want to talk about this or i want to somehow express this mm -hmm. um rarely is it trick inspired though once in a while uh i will create something that just has to do with like uh i created a club juggling act in which i could never spin uh, a club a full rotation i could only throw them in half rotations oh wow um and that that allowed <laughs> me to create all sorts of new tricks based on that very uh limiting rule mm -hmm. but uh anyways so that was literally, I wanted a big poll and that was, that was what I was going to do. Um, and then December rolls around and I remembered that the Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, DK, Chicago DKs, mm -hmm. um, has an individual artist grant uh, that they have an open call for every year. And I was like, okay, I have this kernel of an idea. Uh, at this time, I was also practicing a lot of music. That was something else that I did during the pandemic. I was returning to music and how much I loved music. And I was like, okay, can I have a live music show that also has circus and that is centered around a giant pole? Um, In Chicago, the answer is yes. It, it, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Um, yeah, it's happening. Um, so I wrote, I wrote this grant with this idea. I, I, I had this idea of there being a very small cast of performers that all their job was to keep this pole up. Mm-hmm. However, these are performers that haven't performed in a very long time and they also want to perform for the audience. So how do they do, not only, uh, they have this thing that they have to do and they mm -hmm. also have this thing that they want to do and they can't do both. 
and that's that's the struggle. Um, and in the end, I'm not going to spoil what happens. But oh, no. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but it matters who you're with. That's um, amazing. And in the pandemic, that concept of, of being together and, and needing to connect, being one of the most important things of being human was really what I cared about. So what that is- was... That was that. That was what what erupted from just the idea of like having a giant telescoping pole. That's and that's what. It's funny how sometimes when you're thinking about like I want to create something and it just takes one thing, a pole or a book or a song, and you're like everything is now built around that, and that's absolutely. what this has become. And you're like I just and found a fucking big stick in the yard. Uh, that's it's a play or it's a, absolutely it's absolutely. And with juggling, you're like how how many different ways can I play with this random thing that I'm holding? Or like <laughs> I have a I have a shoe. I have two shoes. What can I do with shoes? Um, yeah, so so absolutely. I think I think object work is so helpful both in theater, in circus, mm-hmm. in performance, in music, in everything. Um, but that I'm also biased. <laughs> uh, so I applied for this grant, and uh, shockingly, they liked my idea, and they decided to fund it. So I uh, I put together a small group of people. The cast is only five people large. It's me, two other circus performers, and two musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wrote a 30 minute show that does what I wanted it to do. And the other performers, it, it had a sort of devised feeling because I had this premise, but I really couldn't write it without the other performers. I couldn't say, Hey, you're going to do this because I wanted to work with people who I knew that I could trust to execute. Right. Um, get a trust your crew. Yeah, exactly. And when you, Man, you know how people say casting is like 80% of the job? Those oh. people were not kidding. No, like you it's... people who know how to do what what they want to do together. Mm-hmm. And if they're professional and they like working together, then it's just going it, to, you create magic. It's it, unstoppable. It's unstoppable. Everybody's on the same page and it believes in the project and can yeah. bring something to the table. I've, I've been on both sides of that spectrum. I've been in some groups with some people. It's like, holy fuck, what did we just do with nothing? And this is amazing. Absolutely. And I've been with some groups where it was just fucking pulling teeth and nobody gave a shit. And those yeah. were some of the fucking worst times in my fucking life. Yeah. But in those moments when you can make that magic happen, oh man, it's just, uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. a dream. That doesn't mean that it's always an easy dream. No, uh, you'll get that. Like what you, I mean, and that happens like once out of every like 15 fucking shows where you're like, that was magic, but it was still a lot of work. And usually right. it's just like, I'm working. This is just working. I'm working, you know, but Absolutely. especially when it comes to a project that's near and dear to your heart, that's when it's, it's extra special when you're like, Oh, it's my project. And these people are behind this and they're bringing this to the table. It's just, that's, I mean, it's, it's why we do what we do, you know. It's uh, it's crazy to tell you the truth. I've never, I've never, you know, had an idea, got it funded, put the show together, got the people together, executed it, performed it. Uh, once this podcast drops, there's going to be uh, probably not right as this podcast drops, but soon after, uh, we're going to be dropping the the video version of the show that you can watch anytime um oh fantastic where can we find that like uh, was that going to be uh, do you have a website or is there going to be a social media push or anything like so that? yeah yeah so uh you can you can find it on facebook at low ceiling circus just facebook.com slash low ceiling circus no underscore nothing like that um mm-hmm. if you have show notes you can put it in the show notes uh but in uh at instagram uh it's just at low ceiling circus uh once again no uh underscores no spaces just low ceiling circus 
um, and you can learn all about what we're doing there. Um, That's great. So yeah, we're going to be posting, uh, we're going to be sharing the way to watch that video. Uh, once it drops, I'm editing like a dog that knows how to edit. <laughs> <laughs> and that must be a very rich editor because they're a dog and I'm sure people pay a lot of money for that. Man, and no one's paying me. No, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's a labor of love, uh, but it's also, it's, uh, it's a fun show. I think, I think. I think you'll like it, Kevin. And I, and I love the premise of, of, of your of your group called Low Ceiling Circus because, as we, we were talking last night, that uh, in Chicago is just chock full of storefront theater. It's what Chicago is a theater town. Half of it, if not more, is storefront theater. So you're yeah. just you're getting a storefront and you're putting a show in there. Yes. And so in my mind, when it comes to circus work, especially juggling, I need a huge fucking space with really high ceilings. And you're here to show that you can do this style of performance in a low storefront small space, because no matter what, you can make this happen. And I love that because it's uh, it's you're like, no, no, I, I'm going to do what I love and I'm going to show you that I can do it pretty much anywhere. And you're going to come on this ride with me. I, so I, that's, I think it's a really great project to really push off, especially here in Chicago, because I mean, the city is just ripe for all well, kinds of stuff. We're, we're, we're low ceiling circus and our first show is performed outside with no ceiling whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but yes, Kevin, you're, you're- A lot of confused people. They're like, I thought I was going to fucking be squatting down a lot because the ceilings were so low. that have seen me perform with- you know, the, possibly the lowest ceiling in Man. the city. So, and you know, for those fun. listening, I met David when uh, myself and uh, one of our guests, Corbett Pasco, uh, uh, produced a show called Funhouse, and we were a uh, circus variety show that was kind of like the Muppet Show. Met Tim Burton, met the Cracked Out Circus, and all this. It was just a really cool show. I had a great time doing it. And David came in, and the space we were working in was just—it was a storefront theater, and you somehow were able to do all these cool in my mind, insane moves with clubs in this very, very, in this, it's a regular sized office building, basically. And I was really impressed with that because you, you changed my mind. I was like, there's no way that we can have a juggler in this space and have them be any good. <laughs> and you proved me wrong. And it was, and it was amazing. That's why I love, that's why I love your work. And you, Cause you were able to keep your craft in any type of environment you can find ways to juggle you can find ways to tell that stories whether it's really high really low small you know and it's it's just it's really fun to watch it's really fun to watch also the other the other really important part of the story uh in my opinion is the fact that in chicago there are some in there's some incredible circus that's happening in chicago that i just that, that people need to know about first of all the midnight circus they are a circus that launches uh they perform in the chicago parks uh they're actually going to be performing uh this september and october they perform every fall and they have they have a tent they set up a one ring circus oh wow all across chicago and it, that's a huge ordeal and it's freaking incredible uh, i got to tour with them in 2019 uh helping pitch the tent and i played music for them and uh really really great time um but it's only for a little bit of the year. And then on the opposite side of the, well, not even opposite, but very different, is Teatro Zanzani, which uh, they have mm. this beautiful uh, Spiegel tent on the, I don't know, 13th or 14th floor of the Cambria Hotel downtown. And those tickets are between 70 and $100. And it looks gorgeous. It's fucking incredible. It's so beautiful, but also, where's the circus for people 
It, midnight is for part of the year, but but what about in the winter or or times that you really just want to see something that makes you feel something? Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of theater, and uh, and this is a circus hungry town too. There are so many people that are learning circus that are that want to watch circus. And I feel like circus can exist just alongside any of these theaters. And I 100% agree with you because my, in yeah. my time here in the theater community, I have met so many people who were like coming from a circus class or a tumbling class or a clowning class. It was just another tool in their belt that they could bring to the table. And Absolutely. I was like, I'm sorry, they, there's a circus what and the who what what? It, again, there are I would three have never- circus schools. There are three prestigious circus schools in Chicago. Wow. Which wow. is crazy. Uh, so <laughs> if they, if anybody wanted to find you, to follow you, you personally uh, or sure. Low Ceiling, uh, give us Low Ceiling again and give us where we can find you and, your, and, and all your social media. Absolutely. Uh, so I can be found at www.daviddrops.com. That's the full word, David, full word, drops. Dot com. Also, at David Drops is uh, both my Instagram and Facebook handle. Uh, well, actually, I think on Facebook, I'm David C. Drops because some dubstep artists stole it first. Fucking dubstep. Hey, Man, yeah. Hey, someday. David Drops, dubstep guy, you come find us. We'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm kidding. We won't kill you. Okay, but Kevin we, Kevin might. Uh, I'm fired hey. up. I'm sorry. I'm on my second <laughs> rum for this interview, and I'm fired up because don't steal a fucking website. Come on, David but no, uh, our website is www.daviddrops.com and once again you can find low ceiling circus on facebook and uh at instagram at low ceiling circus no underscores nothing like that just the words low ceiling circus it's real fucking exciting man i can't wait to see what else you got coming up soon and uh yeah i really hope one day we can work together again because i just had the best time oh we will um, oh Maybe we will we'll figure that shit out you can uh, i'll bring things for you to juggle and i'll just toss them to you while like performing a monologue or something. There we go, and and yeah. find a space that absolutely I have no right to be in, and we'll put we'll put a whole show in there. We'll just Great. cram it in. Just cram it right in. We'll take the uh, the old Oracle space, which was the size of a shoebox, and we'll just do a whole three ring circus in there. There we go. Uh, David, we hit uh, the new uh, the new part, the old part, the second part of the show. I always say my favorite part, but there's only two parts. It's my second favorite part of the show because it's the second. Okay, and, and it's a section I like to call. Same three questions. Same three questions. And these are the exact same three questions I ask all my guests so I can delve further into your brain. Uh -oh. um, so question number one, if you could have one superpower, which would it be and why? Absolutely. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, this is a really good one. Uh, if I had any superpower, it would be to control air. Now, this is brand fucking new. No one's ever brought this up. Why would you want to control air? All right, all right. Here's the thing about being able to control air. There's a lot, and, and some people have argued with me, and I, I understand that there's, you know, superpowers are weird, right? Yeah. There's always so, a flaw. There's always something. Exactly. So if you could control air, you probably could breathe underwater, right? Because you could make an air bubble around yourself. Okay, right? that makes sense. Okay, makes sense. All right. I like it. Uh, also, if you could control air, you could probably make yourself be able to fly, right? Absolutely. Yep. yep okay. Yep. So, so, so already we have Aquaman skills and we have part of Superman skills and it's still only one superpower. And anything that's aerial, I'm sure you could, uh, you know, push away or change, change yeah, the course like, by 
Shooting balls air. of air. I can knock down trees and crap. Uh, yeah, it just seems like a really versatile skill. Yeah. Um, and so it's one that, that uh, yeah, if I had a choice, that would be. Controlling would be. air. Uh, I'm going to mark that as the number one most unique superpower <laughs> that I've had on this show. Hands down, you beat everyone. So, hey, it's still young. This is only episode 22. You got some time. Hey, so far, though, we're doing great. So uh, well, I'll go <laughs> ahead and say that, correct, you got that first one right. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, question number two. If after you died, you were reincarnated as a sandwich, which sandwich would that be? I think, okay, so my, my number one favorite sandwich uh-huh. is a Reuben. I Ooh, love yeah. a good Reuben. Mm-hmm. However, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty environmentally conscious. The world is on fire. Um, I've been, I've been cutting back on meat, uh, <laughs> currently a full vegetarian. I'm going to, going to try to ride that wave for as long as I can, hopefully forever, but we'll see regardless. So until the next I, good steak, I'm, I'm totally going to be, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, now we have plant-based everything, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. and I think, I think the Chicago diner has a Satan Reuben. Okay. I think. And and if it's not there, it's somewhere. I've had an incredible vegetarian Reuben. So if I could be reincarnated as a sandwich that I know that I would love to eat and hopefully other people would love to eat me, I would want to be reincarnated as that sandwich. Done. Done. I love it. <laughs> and I love your coming from the fag is like, what would make people want to eat me? Hey, I mean, yeah. you know, if that's your purpose, Damage, then, yeah, yeah. then you better. You better come at. You better come at it then. Uh, great, 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 great. So, vegetarian Reuben, you got that one right. That's your two for yes. two. Doing great. Oh, You're doing great. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Now, so big one. Question number three. This is it. It's all for all of it. Okay. Blue or green? I feel like this is. I, I'm at the. Um, it's it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I'm on the bridge of doom or whatever it's called. And they ask three questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in, if you answer any of them wrong, you get launched off into your death. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, now, oh. you had the most unique superpower, but now you are the longest on the easiest question. Out of this all the is shows. so hard. It's like okay, but yeah, it's you, just two choices: it's blue or green. <laughs> there's there's so much behind that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are the colors of Earth, right? So we, right. we you're choosing between two parts of the Earth. You're choosing between water and land. Like that's that's an impossible ask. I'm probably thinking too hard into it. Um, the most anyone has. Uh, okay, so be, okay, you know what I. I recently had baby arugula and I loved it, but even more recently I've, I sipped water. Okay. I'm, I'm just I, I'm green, green. The answer is green. Ooh, I'm so sorry. The answer was blue. No, it's the water. Of course, of course so it was close. water. So close. You were two, you got two out of three. So that's not so okay. bad. But blue two out of three. David, do, I, do I still win the game? No, you don't. I'd oh, God. Like, this sorry. is harder. You had to get all three, and you didn't. So, you know. But, but hey, two out of three ain't bad. You know Peter Sagal, still have me on your show. Still have me on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I'll get at least two out of three 
Hey, have us both on. Wait, wait, don't tell me. How about that? I'll, I'll stand right. in as the host and then I'll have you on as a guest. It'll be great. Whoa. Okay. Let's just make sure we tag them in all the social media on this so they'll uh, come on over and hang out. Wait, 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 don't tell me. Wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me you want me as the host. Great. Thank you. Uh, David, thank you so much, dude. It's uh, two nights in a row. It's been a pleasure. I right, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me, man. Uh, and Let's I, make it three. I'll play Halo with you tomorrow. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, David, thanks so much. Uh, good luck with the low ceiling circus and everything that's coming out. And I, and I can't wait to see more of you. Uh, it's just, it's, you're magical to watch. You're lots of fun. I, I, it's great. I love it. Thanks, thanks so, much so much for much. having me, Kevin. Oh, that David Trivoni is charming and talented as fuck. Be sure to follow him on Instagram and all those other good social media spots so you can see more about what he's doing in the future. And hey, while you're at it, please take a second to rate and review the show. I'd love to hear what you gots to say. Also, hey, if you have some questions for me for another, you know, getting to know your host episode, shoot me an email at bigtalkpodcasts, plural, bigtalkpodcasts at gmail.com. Bigtalkpodcasts, gmail.com. Well, that about does it for this episode. As always, I would like to thank our dear friend, Mr. Jason Moody, for that kick-ass theme song, and our dear friend, Miss Corbett Pascoe, who is leaving Chicago and starting the next chapter of her life. We wish her all the best for our three-question stinger. Be sure to join us next episode when we sit down with another guest and ask them that burning question... Who the fuck are you? Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.